financial trust and integrity in ministry. Financial trust and integrity in ministry. Uh, we need to read Bible. First Samuel chapter 12. We read it once. We have read it in the course of this conference. But we still need to read it again. First Samuel chapter 12. Verse number 2 to verse 5. And now behold, the king walketh before you. And I am old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. And here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose ass have I taken, or whom have I defrauded, whom have I oppressed, or whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eyes therewith, and I will restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's son. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and is anointed his witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. My prayer is that every one of us as minister, we will grow to a level where we shall have financial trust and integrity in ministry in the mighty name of Jesus. I can't hear your amen. amen. Now, a friend of mine told me the story at the beginning of that material there. He lives in South Africa. He's a white guy and he's a young man. He's pastoring his father's church. The church now, I was there. And me and Dr. Oshokwe were there also. We were in the church. I even ministered there. It took him time to invite me because he's skeptical of preachers. He's skeptical of guest ministers. We have known each other for 10 years and I've been to South Africa many times, but he never invited me to his church to preach. But in May, he allowed me to come and talk to his leaders. It was after we finished, he was telling me a story. Okay, he was taking us back to our hotel and he asked a question. Or even before then, he asked me a question. How much do you collect? How much do you charge? I said, I don't charge. I don't charge. You say, you mean you don't charge people? I said, I don't charge. And you don't raise suffering? I said, I don't raise suffering. I said, it's the work of the Lord. I don't believe a minister should be charging or should be raising offering for himself or open wide his pocket that you people come and bring money and drop it in my pocket. I said, I believe that is ungodly. That is unscriptural. He was surprised. It was then he told me this story. He said he invited a very popular preacher that somebody introduced to him. He invited him to church. And he told him clearly, please don't raise offering. Because his people are very sensitive when it comes to the issue of money. I told him, please don't raise offering. But and the preacher said, okay, okay, I've heard you. But in the course, of, and you know some preachers, give them a microphone, they will turn to another team. They can be gentle, they can be obedient, they can be what? Until you give them the microphone. Once you give them a microphone, their belief is that you cannot drive them away from there. They say whatever, they do whatever, and they abuse that platform. So that's why we should be careful 
the people will give our microphone and give our altar to. So when this guy got there, he abused the privilege. He said, even though my host, your pastor, have said that I should not raise offering, but I feel led that I should raise it. I don't know. That's where the problem is. We lie against God. Does it mean your host is not filled with the spirit of God? I say, I feel led. Let me make this brief comment. Whenever, please don't bring prayer points again. Close that thing for me. May God help us to be obedient. Bring that thing. Help me. Please help me close it and bring it here. Don't collect that prayer point is bringing. Close it and bring it here. Bring it here. Thank you. Now, that's why we need to be careful. The people who give our pulpit to. And let me say this to those of us who are guest speakers. Whenever you are invited to a church different to your own, and they gave you the microphone, you are under the authority of that pastor. Even if you are older than him, you senior him, you are being ministry before him, but this is his church. He invited you, gave you that platform, for God's sake, whatever he tells you, that you must do. There is no leading that is greater than that. If you have any leading, the Lord ministers to you, go go and clear it with him before you say it to the people. That is orderliness. The Bible says, in the house of God, we must do everything decently and in order. But some of us, we are so that we are so disorderly. So this guy went ahead and said he felt led to raise an offering. And at the end of the day, he raised just sixty thousand rands because the church has a project. So he cornered the money, he tied it to the project. But at the end of the day, he raised sixty thousand. So after the meeting. In the pastor's office, his honorarium was given to him. But after that, he said, I heard about the money I raised. And the host pastor said, but you raised it for the church. He said, it's my practice. Anywhere I go, whenever I raise an offering, I collect 15% of it. Oh, it was then the host pastor said, I cannot understand. I cannot understand the leading you have. That made you to raise that offering. In spite of what I said. That you should not raise it. No problem. You want the 15%. He gave it to him. But look at this door. Look at this church. Look at this place very well. This is your last time. But you know people like that. They don't care. They will still see one foolish pastor. That will invite them again. And they will still practice the same thing. He left. But that's not the focus of my story. The focus of my story is that the host pastor went back to the church. The following, when the whole church came back, he told them the story. And said, look, that guest speaker that came, somebody introduced him to me. And I brought him to church. And I expressly told him not to raise money. And he raised the money. And you people gave. I appreciate that. But can you believe that? After we gave him his honorarium, he see asked for 15% of that money. The people say, eh? He said, yes. And I gave it to him. And you know what? Because I asked him not to raise that money, he raised it and he collected 15%. So I understood 
that what he really need was a 15%. Please, my people, I am very sorry. The rest of the money is with the accountant. Please, those of you that contributed, go and take back your money. The people were amazed that the pastor can say that. They were surprised. And you know, nobody collected the money back. Everybody say, Pastor, don't worry. We understood. From today, we supported you. Now, he took me to the new campus that the church is building. Four acres. It's like a stadium. It is these people that are giving the money. Because why? By that singular action, he built trust with the people. You know the truth? If your people don't trust you as a leader, especially in financial matters, you will never really receive their money. I know this is the problem I have. When people invite me, they say, yes, I help us to raise money. I don't like it. And I don't want to do it. Because to me, that pastor has not built trust with his people. Now let me say this to you. More than any other preacher in the whole world, your people should be able to give you more money. And you should be able to raise more money than any other guest speaker. But you can't do that if they don't trust you. Hello? You know the public is full of skepticism when it comes to pastors. They equate us with the political leaders. They say, every pastor is a thief. Uh, they are in need for the money. It is money they are looking for. It is money that is nothing else. Oh, oh, one knee. And you know why? Because we are broken trust. May God help us. Now let me read from the material. Second paragraph now. Today, lots of people don't trust ministers with money. They equate ministers with political leaders who loot their country blind and are greedy of gain. And which many of us are true. The skepticism of people about us are true. And unless we disprove them, we won't collect their real money. Now, it will take serious effort to build financial trust with people. You will have to prove that you are not in need for their money. You will have to prove over and over and over and over and over. And that was what Samuel was saying in that scripture. He said, whose house have I taken? You know I didn't defraud any one of you. I didn't collect bribe. I didn't take advantage of you. Now let's read Acts of Apostles, chapter 20. Apostle Paul said the same thing. Almost the exact words. Acts chapter 20, verse 33 and verse 34. I have converted no man's silver. <laughs> I have converted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't convert it. I didn't run after. I didn't take advantage. I didn't abuse you people. I preached the gospel to you. I didn't convert your money. Of course, there were rich people in the church. There were wealthy people in the church. That's why Paul said, I didn't convert it. I have converted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Look at verse 34. Yea, ye yourself know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. And to them that were with me. 
How many of us can say that? I once knew a preacher. If he does visitation and visits a member's house, one day, okay, he visited a member's house. He saw a standing fridge, freezer, and he said, let us pray. As he was praying, Father, we thank you for this freezer that you provide for your son. It is this kind of freezer that should be in pastor's house. Boldly. I'm not lying. I know him. That is against what Paul was saying here. I have converted no man's silver. And you know there have been cases of members buying cars and they brought the car to church for dedication and when pastor was to dedicate the car he went there. Father we thank you. We thank you that you are providing car for your children. Even though your servant is still working on his legs. But we thank you anyway. You are simply breaking trust. That is against what Paul said. When the people were not giving, there were rich people. He said, I work with my hands. I was not chargeable to anybody. I was not a financial body to any member. Brethren, until we get there, until we get there, it is then the watching world will start respecting ministers. And it's going to start with you and I, individually, in our circle of influence, that we need to build financial trust. We can be trusted. We can be relied upon. You know, so many people, let me say this, it's enough comment, but allow me to say, it comes to my heart now. You know, a lot of people do come to us and use our church as your registration center for conference. We can't do it. Because you have not built trust. I didn't say you are a chief, oh. No, far from it. But we have got an... And for many years, we didn't do that. We only put all registration in our office. If not now that we are seeing some good people that uh, we are putting their place as registration centers... Because we had an experience. One pastor, several years back, when we newly started, I was trying to network, network. So this pastor, he was involved with a Pentecostal Ministry Association, so he was assuring me, make my place your registration center. Let me help you to register people. I didn't know I was in trouble. You know, he register people and spend their money. Not only that, that's not the problem. He went back to those people and told them that we have postponed the conference. He didn't deliver the money. He had the money and he told the people that we postponed the conference. And we did the conference. It was the following week after the conference that these people came. And they said, sir, we went to the venue and they said, you have done the conference last week. I said, yes. He said, but we heard that you postponed it. I said, who said that? They mentioned his name. I said, what? He too was not in the conference. They said, we paid to him. You paid to him? They said, yes. I said, let's go there. It took me time to locate him. He was no longer staying at home. Eventually, when I saw him, I said, why did you do that? Then he said, Pastor, you know, you know, I don't know what is happening. It is that time these people register that my wife will be sick. One of my children will be sick. My in-law came. I have to do this. I have to do that. I said, it's not a problem if you spend the money. 
the real evil you did was to tell the people that we postponed the conference. You made them lose in two ways. Since then, I've never seen those people. Because they equate me with him. What is trust? Trust is the emotional glue that binds leaders and followers together. It is the emotional glue that binds leaders and followers together. If you don't, if, they, if people don't trust you, then they cannot follow you. And you don't demand for trust. Say, please, trust me. Oh, trust me. I am trustworthy. I am dependable. No, you don't demand for it. You command it. You must pass several tests. Several tests. Several tests. Before you can be trusted. People will give you money. When you don't spend it, uh-huh, you can be trusted. And you earn trust. Not in a midnight or overnight. You earn it. Over a period of time, long period of time, you prove yourself that you are trustworthy. You have to prove it over a long period of time, sir. There will be every opportunity. And you don't know people are watching. They are watching. But you have to prove that as for me, I am trustworthy. I can be reliable. I can be dependable. Nothing you give me we miss. I will keep it for you. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And you know that's what many of us don't understand. The moment people come to your church, or the moment you are following a leader, or the moment they put you somewhere, you expect people to trust you immediately. It doesn't follow like that. People have seen different ministers. They have seen different leaders. They have come in every shape and sizes. People don't trust you overnight. They have to watch you for a long time. You build trust gradually. And you destroy trust gradually. And that's what we have done. The bad news is that people out there, they don't trust us. That's the bad news. If you want to know, put on your collar. Go and enter public transport. Even without offending anybody, somebody will be doing, somebody will be hissing. I won't lose you. I don't know what they are looking for. Yeah, yeah, people. Thieves and robbers. And it's referring to you. That's how bad it is. Now it is you and I that will have to prove that's for me. I can be trusted. Hello? Okay. Paul said, I did not defraud anybody. Professor Samuel said, I am trustworthy. Even the people witness. He said, witness against me. They say, you didn't defraud us. He was a man of integrity. May God help us in Jesus' name. Trust builds over time, not in a day. Your transparent integrity will turn skepticism to trust over time. You end the trust of people by your truthfulness and by your faithfulness. If you cannot be trusted, you cannot be respected or be followed. It takes time. It takes time. When you are in a relationship, with anybody. It takes time. And you know every step you take either builds your trust or destroys your trust. Eh, I don't know. My leader does not love me. He does not trust me. What have you done? 
If he doesn't trust you, there are things you have done. But you know, most of the time, we blame the leader. We don't blame ourselves. I don't know. They don't trust me. Hey, they don't even put things in my care. The little they put there, you abuse it. How ministers have broken trust with people? Let's look at that. And let me read the Bible for you. John chapter 12. Gospel of St. John chapter 12. Look at verse 3 to verse 6. Look at what happened here. Then took Mary a pound of ointment or spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Cariot, Simon's son, we should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? That's what Judas Cariot said. Oh, eh, this thing, this woman is wasting. That is a very expensive ointment. We should sell it and give it to the poor. That was a simple, straightforward comment that shows that if you rely on that comment alone, that shows that he cares for the poor. But look at the comment of John in verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. You know, it's the simple meaning of that. Judas had broken trust with the disciples. They knew that he's a thief. So when he made that comment, ah, we should say this thing and give to the poor, John said. He, don't believe what he said though. The real motive is because he's a thief. Because he's the one stealing what is inside that bag. And you know that's what many of us don't know. Your daily actions as you move in and out among the brethren, as you walk in and out, we watch you, we look at you. You know, this is one of my hobbies. I watch people. But people don't know. Because I laugh, I joke a lot. They think I'm the yeye type. Ah, you must be deceiving yourself. I watch people. And I take note of little, little comments. Little, and I've seen people with that kind of Judas character. They will say things. Yes, let us do it this way. Not because they have the interests of the people at heart, but because of gain. Hello. You know the problem people like us have? When you are a topmost leader, and every leader that leads either an organization, a church, a ministry, they have those problems. People want to get close to you not because they love you, but because they want to use you as a platform to climb up. So as a leader, you must watch people. And that's what they have done to John. I mean Judas. So they knew he has been stealing. That's why John made that comment. Uh, what he said that we should give to the poor, he doesn't mean it. What he really wants is the money. My prayer is that any area we are broken trust, may the Lord help us to repair it. Amen. Say better, amen. amen. Okay, let's move on. Today, the average person 
doesn't trust a minister. They believe everyone is in it for the money. Just like Judas, he broke trust with the rest of the disciples. Everyone knows that he's a thief, he's a robber. Nasty incidents and shameful practices in the churches and ministries have led to all this. Now, how do ministers broke trust with people? What are those things we do that make us to break trust? That doesn't make people to trust us again. Now, before I go into detail, let me tell you a story. There is this pastor. It's a true story. It happened in one of the denominations. Now, this pastor, before people knew that he's a thief, he has stolen so much money. People didn't know. Because when they finished counting all the offering, everything is correct, everything is arranged, everything is... This time, the members are not the thief, the pastor is the thief. But they didn't know. So when they arrange all the offering, everything tied up, they give it to Baba. Baba, this is the thing, no? And say, how much is there? He says, so, so. They say, so, so, and so, I'm on. He says, okay, you are sure it's correct. They say, so. You know, the moment they turn their back, after walking some few steps away, he will have removed part of it. Secretly. And hide this somewhere and say, hey, please, come back, oh. How much did you say is there? They say it's 10,000. He said, no, it's only 7,005 here. And those people who count it, it will be 7,005. He took them months. And they have to set trap for Baba before they catch him that he's the one removing the money. And since then, they don't trust him with money again. How have we broke trust? Look at some of them. Personalizing church money because you are the founder. You will break trust. Once you are personalizing the money of the church, quoting some Bibles, using Bible, turning Bible upside down. The man of God is the one that owns the money of God. You are breaking trust. He will no longer trust you. Stylish stealing and inflating your personal expenses. Have you this situation? Even in denominational churches, pastors get to a fuel station. They bought 5,000 fuel and they say they should write 8,000. Have you just seen a situation where we send pastors and ministers or Nera go and buy this equipment for the church? They, they collude with the, with, with the sellers and they inflate the price. And at the end of the day, people get to know that it is also a month. You break trust. Collecting bribe from contactors and businessmen of the church. You break trust. What are they? What are they? You know, in these days of when church are doing business, we have universities, we have all those things. Do you know it is pastors that work contracts in those universities and they inflate the contracts? What are they? I want tea or only my bed on my body. Misappropriation of church money for sundry things. You just spend it anyhow. You are breaking trust. Like a pastor, I often told the story. The people collected, I mean, donate money on Sunday that they need to buy some uh, gravels or some sand to sand fill the church because uh, whenever it rains, flood comes into the church. So they get money because the pastor is the full time and everybody is working. So he's the one that is always available. So they gave him the money. Please, sir, 
Help us contact these people. Give this money to them so that they can bring the sounds and we can fill up the church so that floor will no longer worry us. He said, right, okay, 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 okay. He took the money. Rather than buy the sound, he first went and paid uh, the mama that said Gary and sell the Lubov and sell the food stores that he has been <laughs> that he bought in credit. He first went and paid them. So the following Sunday, when people came to church, they discovered that the place was not filled up. There was no sound. There was nothing. And one of them was bold enough to say, I'm sorry, sir. How about the money we gave to you and the sir? I said, which money? Which money did you get to me? The money that is not enough to pay the debt of owned on food stores. Eh? Of course, people left that church. Because he broke trust. May God help us. And you know there have been situations that people kept money with man of God in the belief that you are a man of God. You know people trust us. People trust us. They believe that we are men and women of God. They kept money with us. I know this man, this so-called man of God. When the people came back months later to collect the money, say, Daddy, that 50,000 that I gave to you, 50 what? Yes, 50 thousand. Are you dreaming? Ah, yes, I you are. Shut up! Insult! If you mention it again, I will use the last anointing on my head to curse you. The woman has to run away. That's how pastor had the money. Uh, there will be surprise in heaven. We broke trust. People kept money with us. We broke trust. We shortchanged them. We broke trust. Then, look at it. Shroud of secrecy. About ministry finance. Nobody knows what is coming in. Nobody knows what is going on. We know the collection. We don't know the spending. You are breaking trust. Living expensively beyond your ministry finance, you are breaking trust. When your lifestyle is of high taste, you simply say, there's no money, there's no money, there's no money, and yet, we see what you are buying. <laughs> you are breaking trust. Selling church positions to the highest bidder, you are breaking trust. And you know we do that today. That's what we do to destroy Christianity. We ordain people that should not be ordained because they are rich. We put people as dickens and elders in the church because they are rich. They are breaking trust. You say economical, being economical with the truth. And you speak double, you speak from both sides of the mouth. You can lie, you can embellish. They are breaking trust. Then demonstrating calamity when it comes to money matters. You are breaking trust. Visiting only rich members and those who give gifts to you, you are selling yourself sheep. I know some of us are like that. And many of our, of our members are complaining that all the visitation you do is only to rich members. That those who have problems, those who will not give gifts to you, you don't visit them. Why? I'm too busy. Hello? 
Those are ways. We broke trust. I know sometimes we do secret parts with ushers. There have been cases of pastor calling the ushers. This time, the ushers are sincere and honest and faithful. And my pastor said, how much is the whole offering? Because we need to take it to headquarters. He said, yes, yeah, uh, so, so, and so. Uh, how much is it? 100,000. Write 50,000. Uh, how much is the welfare offering? They say about 25,000. Write 12,000. How about the rest? Bring it, Jari. And they will be shaking their heads. Say, this man of God is a thief. That may the Lord deliver us. You know, it's like you are teaching your first son to lie. You are around. When the landlord is coming, tell them I'm not around. Do you need to teach that boy to lie? Do you, when that boy grow up as a liar, as a thief, as an unbeliever, will you say it's the work of devil? You taught him. The same thing we do when we are teaching our members to falsify, to cook the books. That's all you are doing. And people will be shaking their head. They may look at you. They may not talk because of their pay. But they know you are not a non-believer. You are a non-believer. It was uh, one, young, one young man. He's, an, uh, he's a repairer. He repairs ele- electronics, uh, AC, and whatever in people's houses. And he always repairs this AC and the electronic gadgets in a certain bishop's house. This brother is a good Christian. You know, when he gets there, he's talking with the, the cook in the house of that bishop. And the cook says, my guy is not a man of God. Huh? Cook, why are you saying that? He says, my guy is a non-believer. He doesn't know Bible. Shabby, I know what they do here. I know how many people are they cook for in the night here. I know all the women, where they come here. I, I'm sorry for people where they serve. Where of my God they preach to for church? My God not be child of God. Me say where I know no God. I know say my God no no God. So that electrician now asking, but why are you still working with him? I say now they sponsor my children to school. Now here I the chop, and because I the chop, I know my I know want my garret to come out. That's why they keep quiet. But as for me, oh, I don't get anything to do with God. Oh. I know I know go church like that. Because this small guy, he know no God. I know there are many people we have sent to hell like that. May God help us. How to build trust and integrity. Let's go there so that we can pray. A minister must not do ministry. Fulfill the Luca, but as a service to the Lord. That's the language of the Bible. We must not be in ministry because of money. If money, gain, profit, fame, popularity is your underlying motive of being in ministry, you have missed it long ago. Now, Peter said it. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. He said it very well. From verse 1, the elders, in other words, the pastors, the ministers, the leaders, which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, a minister, a leader, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Look at what Peter enjoins us and commands us, feed the flock of God, which is among you. 
Taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint. Not that somebody force you. Somebody put you there. It's by force. No. But willingly. From the heart. Let it be a calling. Let it be a passion. Let it be a body. Let it be an answer to the call of the Lord. The favor of the Lord over your life. Willingly. What's the next one? Not for fieldy looker. But for a ready man. That fieldy looker is an old English. In today's language. Not for gain and profit. Not because of money. But which many of us are doing. You know when uh, somebody was giving me a report yesterday. You know we announced about the church planting. He said some group of churches. They want to be part of the church planting. I said I don't want them. Because their own motive of planting churches. Is not to save souls. It's to turn the church to a supermarket. That they can collect money. I said what I'm looking for in that church planting. Is people that are genuine. God called them and they want to plant a church. And they are going after souls. Not uh, transferring members from other churches. They want the Muslim to be converted. The drug addict. The unbelievers. The prostitutes. And the agnotics to be converted. Their life to be transformed. And that church is going to be built up as a true church of Christ. Getting people ready for heaven. That's the people I'm looking for there. I don't want a denomination that uh, they give you a target. Go and plant a church. For what? So that more money can come in. So from the first day of the service of that church, we demand 100%, 90%, 150%. It's not about souls again. It's about money. I don't like, God is not happy with people like that. And I don't want to be a party to people like that. Me, I'm looking for people. You want to plant a church for heaven? Driving churches, healthy churches, dynamic churches, scriptural churches. Of course, the money will come. The money will come, but it's not the basic motive. The people. Hello? How do we build trust as leaders? Brethren, people can trust us. And you know this trust? It's not from home. Even some of us, our wife cannot trust us when it comes to money. Our husband cannot trust us. Where do you see that money? Uh, don't ask me questions. Just spend it. How do we build trust? Repent and renounce all your past financial misdeeds. Yes. You know, yesterday we learned about stealing. We are stealing in the church. I hope you will listen to that message over and over and over and over. Even if you have a way, go and preach that message in your church. Those of you who have workers, buy the CDs, buy the cassette, buy the tape. Call your workers. Play it for them. Because those are things we don't teach again. And we build thieves and robbers in the church. We build thieves and robbers. In fact, we, we are the Baba thief, Mama thief. So if you discover in your library, oh, somebody was telling me like this morning. He says, sir, I saw one book in my library. Because what you preached yesterday, I saw one book in my library. And it's not my own. I said, return it to the owner. And somebody says, sir, I saw your book. Money by Give me my book back. And I've been looking for that book. Though it's not a thief, he must have forgotten it. But return it. So repent too. And those of you who have been falsifying account, I remember a lady came to me several years back. She was asking a question. Now she's in charge of their church money. 
But there were pastors in the church that uh, they have not been confirmed as pastors. So, and the church was not paying them. And these pastors were going to every member begging. So, this woman in charge of the money, you know what she will do? She will pay those pastors salaries out of the money without permission. She says, sir, that's what I've been doing. I said, but that is a sin. He said, but there are men of God that I'm paying. I said, but did they give you the authority to do it? Did you tell the people in charge of the money? She said, no. I said, you are living in sin. You better go and stop it. If those pastors, God called them, let their God provide for them. And if they need money, let them go to the authority. You are not the one that called them. That is stealing my style. And you know many of us, that's why causes are affecting our ministry. Look, brethren, let me be very candid with you. When you are working in a denomination, if they ask you to bring 100%, please give it to them. If you don't like it, resign and get out. Because God works in mysterious ways. That church may not be the end of your ministry. God may take you out of that church to another place or to start your own or transfer you somewhere. Don't let the course of today destroy your future. I hope I'm talking to somebody. That was what helped me where I came from. By then, when I was pastoring where I came from, they were asking for 70%. And our churches were new by then. We didn't have our own building. We were struggling to buy land to do this. But they said we should bring 70%. Even my deacons would come to me. They would say, sir, don't let us give them this 70%. I said, no, we give it to them. They ask for it. We pay. They say, but after the 70%, there's nothing on ground. We can't give you anything. We can't give it. I said, I prefer it that way. If I don't agree, I'll resign. And you know, they know. When I, so when I was going, there were a lot of rumors. There were a lot of lies. There were a lot of curses. There were a lot of... So some people who loved me, they came to me. They said, they are cursing you. I said, back to sender me. It can never affect me. Because I did sleep with their women and they never ate their cobble. I refund all their money. I gave them everything. My conscience is clear. Acts 24, 16. Having a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. And that what we started little with 800 naira by then, this is it today. Because I didn't call a cause where I'm coming from. A cause costless shall not come. That's Proverbs 26, verse 2. A cause costless shall not come. If you defraud people, you defraud your church, you defraud your leader. Even if the leader doesn't know, it's a curse on you. And anywhere you go, even if it doesn't cost you physically, you are cursed already. So, so if you are working under a pastor, you are working under a leader, you are working as a branch pastor, as a leader, all they ask for, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. I hope I'm talking to somebody. And through these teachings, if you have discovered that you have been doing financial misdeeds, this is the time to restitute. Number two, have a clear financial policy in place in the ministry. What do I mean by that? Let accountability be clearly written in your church bylaws. Especially those of you who are general overseers. Write it in your bylaws and in your constitution. The day I mess up, the day I eat money, you have the authority to remove me. I think if we put it there, some of us will have to be, we will think twice before we do what we are doing. 
And you know that's the level I'm taking our mentoring to. Because a lot of people call me, my mentor, my mentor. If I gather all the people that are calling me mentors, I will fill this whole place up and down. But I don't know them. Neither do they know me. It is mentoring in the dream. Mentoring at a distance. I don't want that. I want to, that's why we reshape every child. Remove people that have not been coming. I remove even those who are coming. We give them a form. It's a very tough form. Not many people can feel it, but some people are feeling it because I put it there. If you mess up, I'll come and remove you. Me too. If I mess up, come and remove me. Otoni, those who can remove me are here. They know. So you need to think twice when it comes to financial matters. You need to put your head under. Because number three, be on salary. Except the Lord says otherwise. And if the Lord says you should not be on salary, then He will provide for you. The priests were to take portions of the sacrifice, not the whole. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 18, 1 to 4. So you are not entitled to take all the tithes and the offering. Because you are the pastor, you are the leader, you are the founder. No! Only a portion belongs to you. Open other sources of income. Yes! Don't depend on church for your finance. You know that's the home truth I gave you on Monday. If you put your financial future in the hand of your church, you are making a terrible mistake. And you know we have, we have said it in this conference over and over and over. And let me say it, and when uh, Dr. Oshapa was teaching this morning, he also mentioned it, let me expand it further. Take your Bible and let me tell you something. You must have other sources of income. Your money must never come from one source. You must have multiple streams of income. Thank God, Sami Akidipa is here. You can go to his seminars. He will teach you. And he has a lot of books outside there that you can read. On multiple streams of income, even as a minister. Hello? Look up before you write, before I give you what to write. I learned this about seven, eight years back. I overheard a preacher saying that he has about eight sources of income. And you know that shocked me. I said, What? Eight sources of income? He said, Yes. I don't depend on church. I said, Hey. He said, Yes. I said, so I can open sources of income. He said, yes, my brother. Then he said something to me that I, I turned to a proverb. Can I give you the proverb? Good. It is better for 100, 100 naira to come from 10 sources than for you to have 10,000 naira from one source. That's from the book of Elders, chapter 5, verse 45. Volume number 3. Did you hear me? Do you understand? Because if you have one source that you are having 10,000, the day that one source closed down, you are back to poverty. But if you have 10 sources that you are receiving 100, 100 naira, and over the years, if you gradually nurture those sources, you invest in those sources. You nurture those sources. You invest in those sources. It will yield by and by. And at the end of, in the next five, six, seven, ten years, you can be having millions from each of those sources. 
do that as a pastor. Now, if you are computer literate, your, your computer can be a source of income. Oh, you don't understand that? Thank God there is a seminar on that. You can go to that seminar and learn how your computer can be your source of income. Now, I've changed my computer. I bought a smaller one, but more complex one. Now, before I write with my hand, I started, the computer I have now, it has a biro. So I write. And as I write, it types. There's a purpose for that. Oh, Pastor BC linked me up with uh, something. My book is on uh, Amazon.com now. Before too long now, Jesus Sheyano. Don't let me say more than that. But it is through the computer, through the internet. That's a source of income. Yes, your salmon can be your source of income. I, oh, I saw somebody, I saw somebody, he gave these Bible study outlines of Pastor Kumuyi to one of my pastors. I use authority. I say, where's my own? If you don't bring my own, don't come back to this conference. You know, if you don't use some authority, it will get wasted. So the second day, went, he, he brought me four outlines, different ones for pastors and leaders. Now, those are salmon outlines of Pastor Kumuyi. But he kept them, developed them. Now it's a source of income. He's being sold to others. Those your sermons you have been preaching and God is using it to bless others. Why don't you keep them? You have a salmon file that you've just employed somebody, put it on computer, rework it, rework it, rework it, and you give it one fantastic name and you start selling gradually. You are coming to this kind of conference. You are coming empty-handed. Oh, me, so what? Why don't you come with a book stand? I charge you. She wanna make it here. Your books. Some of us have wonderful ideas, marvelous ideas. Let it be a source of income. If I tell you what books I've done. Oh, when we were going for our first church group conference in London in June, before then, I cheaped 151 kg books down there. And you know the amazing thing? We did a conference first time. We had more than 300 people in attendance. Oh, our shop was there. Sami also was there. We went together. We had more than 300 people in attendance. I was amazed at that. But that's not the story. The story is that they bought more books than even the money we realized in the conference. Your books. Your CDs. Oh, have you seen my CDs outside? I went and all my all the tapes I've been teaching in church growth. I went and brought all of them back. The one I've done seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. I kept them. Most of you, the messages you have been preaching, you have been losing them. You have been losing them. You are losing future and you are losing money. Now I repackage them to MP3 outside there. You can buy it. Why don't you do the same for yourself? It's another source of income. And anywhere they invite you to preach, don't you go anywhere to preach without your CDs and your tapes. How much will they give you? How much will they give you? You are depending on honorarium. Some of you, your, your voice, you can sing very well. Why don't you go and do a record? It's part of it. And anywhere they invite you, oh, pastor, pastor has a lot of records. It's because it's not fully here, because it's busy somewhere. It will have sell tapes to us. At least something will come in, shall? You have a special knowledge in an area. 
it should be a source of income. There is a training you have gone to, and it's a, you have expert training, you have knowledge. You can become a consultant in that area. It's a source of income, my brother. You know, I'm amazed, especially young men, young women in ministries. You just sit down, waiting for offering. What will offering do for you in your life? Thank you. What will offering do for you? Uh, for those of you who know church very well, offering will never be enough. And you are waiting for offering and time. You sit down there, wasting your life, wasting your time, wasting your future. And you have this strength. You are mentally alert. You are okay. Instead of you to go and learn all those spare time you have to do something with it. But no, we'll sit down there. Waiting for one salary at the end of the month. Even if they are paying you 100 million, can it take care of your needs? Your knowledge, your gifts, your grace. And let me say something to you. I will emphasize what Dr. Awoshokwe said. Have something you serve. Have a service you render. Render a service. And that's what we are doing. We are rendering services to the body of Christ. We render service. And that's what you come to pay for. And we keep on rendering that service. Who knows? God can even call you. You know, that's why I'm surprised. I'm surprised even with some of the pastors that have been to our institute. They came. They they took it from advanced, they got to P, uh, uh, advanced, uh, PGD, whatever, and they do doctorate. I know some of them, when they do doctorate, they go and sit at home. I shake my head, I laugh at them. They don't understand. And you get those amazing knowledge, those kind of materials and resources we give out. And you go and pack everything, you sit down. You are missing money and you are missing impact. Who says you cannot do church growth? Who says so? And Akijon is doing it. Is Akijon can cover the whole world? Why don't you branch into church mansion? Why don't you branch into church back door? Oh, I met somebody somewhere. I met somebody. Yeah, one brother said, your lad is into this church church management consult. I've never met him, but I met him this year somewhere. He listened to me and he came. He came to my office. I asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I said, my brother, wait, wait, wait. I went and took that carton and gave it to him. I said, you don't have materials. He said, yeah. I said, take. Go and change everything. Change everything. Do it. He said, sir. I said, yeah, don't sigh. Go and do it. I'm looking for 10,000 people that will take care of Nigerian churches. There are too many churches. Akijon alone cannot do it. He was amazed. Thank you. He was amazed. He said, ah, you? I said, what's your problem? You need more? I'll give to you. I'll give to you. You know, I've learned something. The more I give out, the more I receive. He says, sir, you are giving me your materials. I say, take it, my brother. Take it and go and use it. He said, I will use them. I say, you have my express permission. He said, but there's copyright. I say, copyright means copy it right. Imagine in every church, in every denomination, if we have a church consultant, somebody that will tell us how our church can be healthy, how our church can be okay. And some of you have come to our courses and you sat down there. Some of you, all the vision you see is your local assembly. Can I tell you something? God wants to use you beyond your local assembly. God wants to use you beyond your denomination. Did you see the prophecy that Jacob, 
gave to Joseph. He said, Joseph, in Genesis 49, you are a fruitful bar that spread over the wall. Do you know what I mean? He's simply saying, Joseph, you have international influence. You will spread beyond the wall of this family. Joseph, you shall be accepted worldwide. That was what he was saying. And it later came to pass. And that's what the Lord is saying to you. And that's why I'm surprised. When some people say, hey, our denomination will not allow me to go to school. Our church is because you don't want to go. Amen. You have your personal life. Your, pers- your ministry is personal to you. Nobody can take it away from you. Why don't you develop yourself to the extent that, to the extent that you're unsackable, you're unretrenchable. That they, if they want to sack people, they think twice about you. You know, Pastor Bissi gave me a topic. He said he heard it from somebody. And he gave me a topic. And I'm still going to work on that topic. What is it? Remind me. How to be the making of a disposable minister. May you not be a disposable minister. Ah, so many churches are disposable minister, like toilet roll. Disposable. When you drink can of meat, is it the can you love? Shebina the meat. When you drink infinite, what do you do? How about uh, pure water? When you drink infinite, mm. even ever, if you are still taking care of the bottle, it's because what is inside. May you not be a disposable minister. But don't say, may only oh, churches are disposing people, they are disposing minister. They say, sir, you have expired. Church say, we don't want you. Why don't you go and develop yourself, improve yourself, come to school, come and learn, become an expert. You know, ministry, you know the trend of ministry today? Ministry is becoming expert-based. Take it from the medical world. Before you go to general hospital. But today, what is available? If you have a high problem, will you go to general they are specialists. Ministry is coming there. My brother, my sister, my advice to you, become an expert. Let me give you some other thing that is not in your outline and we pray. Live within your means. Live within your means. Even live below your means. Cut your coat according to your clothes. You said that in the morning. Not only to get out of debt, but also to build integrity. Don't ride the car that you cannot properly service and take care of. Follow a good financial plan. Yes, thank you. Plan your family upbringing. That's another problem. Most of us have the children we cannot cater for. Stop it. For those of you who have given back to children, oh, may God help you. But let me say this to you. If you have got four, five, six, seven, stop! Stop production. Close the factory. Close the factory. Hello? God will give you your own child. But even the only one you have is perfect. One child is perfect. Perfect. I know in African culture, you are amazed at me saying that. Yes, one child is perfect. Who do you resemble? Your father God. 
who owns heaven and earth and has only one begotten son. That's only one begotten son. Let's stop this nonsense. Somebody gave back to one child. One word, you have not born, no. You are born. <laughs> one. Two. Excellent. Three. Trinity. Four. Trouble. Five. Suffering. Six. Air fire. And I don't let me get to seven. That's okay. What are you doing with seven, eight, nine, ten children as a minister? On a serious note, you know the country we are living in. You know the economy situation. For your information, if you think it will go down, you must be joking. It's everywhere. It's not only Nigeria. It's everywhere. The meltdown is everywhere. If you think it will come down, you must be joking. And you know what it takes to send your children to school today. You know what it takes to, to, to equip your house so that your children will not become wayward. Your daughters will not go to a neighbor's house to watch DSTV so that they will not sexually molest her. If you don't want your children to become vagabond and prognosing their, heart, their nose into somebody's houses, you need to buy the SCV, buy all those things, buy, buy computer game, buy everything and tie them at home. And you know what it costs to get there? When you have too many children, uh, 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 large family and successful ministry doesn't go together. Go and study it in history. Large families and successful ministry doesn't go together. When your children are more than four, tell me how you will not steal to take care of those children. Tell me. Because I know a denomination in Nigeria, a very popular denomination, they are still paying their pastor 3,500 naira. And most of the pastors have seven, eight, nine, ten children. They were quoting Bible. Our children shall surrender our table. Advice, cut your table small. Stand up on your feet. Take charge of your finances. Take charge. Be responsible for your finances. Am I talking to somebody? Look up at me, look up at me. If you have to go and pray, please go and pray. Take charge of your finance. Don't leave off the church or don't leave off the goodwill of brethren. I know a pastor, his church rejected him and they sacked him. Why? He eats in every member's house. In fact, he did it to me. One, one Monday morning, he came. He came around 7 a.m. I was preparing to go out. Then he said, Hey, good morning, sir. We opened the door. He knocked the door. We opened the door. Then he said, good morning, sir. I said, how are you? Hi, he said, it's me. Oh. Ah. You know, the moment he sat down, he asked my wife, hey, mommy, can I hear the kettle singing on the stove? He's asking for tea and bread. Hand on Monday morning. Ah, I say, pastor, Lara Monday. A cone in Bagbakuba. 
I know what he's asking for. He's asking for money. I know some of us, I pray God will answer our prayer. But some of us, we are living off the goodwill of our brethren. We are living off. Don't do that. Don't live off your church. There are a lot of opportunities. And I'll bring one to you today. There are a lot of sources of income that we should open up. Take charge of your finance. Don't blame your church. Don't blame your leader. You take charge. Pray. God will open your eyes to see opportunities. Raise up your right hand. Lord. Anoint my eyes to see. My financial opportunities. Lord. Strengthen me. To be financially trustworthy. And to be a man of integrity. Lord. Heal my financial attitude. So I can be trusted. To receive the money of people. Open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus.